thanks so much for joining me today. I've got my good friend, Mike Kim on today. He is a marketing genius and I have learned a lot from him over the years. Really excited to have him. And uh, thanks Mike for, for coming and sharing your wisdom today. My pleasure. It's uh, it's an honor to be here and um, hopefully I will add something of value to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I always walk away with at least one or two good nuggets, whatever I'm around you or like listening to anything or at your conferences or anything like that. So uh, I'm sure people will walk away with at least something of value. Um, but yeah, Mike, uh, why don't you give people, if they've never heard of you, just give people who are listening a little bit of background about how you got into doing your own consulting like you do. Um, what brought you to that and, um, what brought you ultimately to the marketing space at large? Yeah. So, um, before I got into marketing formally as a profession, I was the music director at a church in the Hartford, Connecticut area. Nobody really remembers that anymore. That was, it feels like a completely different lifetime ago. And I, when I stepped away from that job, I didn't really know what I was going to do with my life. It was like that typical, like I'm 30 something and what the heck am I going to do? Yeah. And um, I was married at the time. My ex and I moved back to New Jersey from Connecticut. And an old boss had contacted me. They had run, they were running a an academy, after school academy to prep high school students for their college entrance exams, SATs and ACTs. Yeah. And I had been a teacher at that school in my 20s. Oh, interesting. And so I'd always been like in touch with them. And when they found out I came back, they're like, Hey, do you want to teach a few classes? I was like, no, like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do in my life, but I don't definitely don't want to do that. Um, but I thought it'd be a good opportunity to like get a little bit more grounded mm -hmm. and use my brain again. Uh, to be totally honest, I felt like I did not use my brain at all. Uh, during the four years that I was a music director, it was just like, really you know i was just doing music and it's like yeah it's different you know totally different it's yeah. like um so i did that and several months in just a part-time kind of teaching a couple classes i was going home from work one day and she my boss asked me to come in and her and her husband were like the proprietors of this um mm -hmm. academy and she's like can you look at this ad what do you think about it and i was like oh this is terrible should change this, 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 and change this. And she was like, how in the world do you know how to do this? I was like, I don't know. I just know that that's really bad. And in retrospect, I think that I learned a lot of that stuff while I was at, at the church shop. Interesting. Because looking at it, um, basically, we were marketing a live event every Sunday. Yeah. I had conferences that I was running and hosting several times a year, and those were my ideas. So I did I did quite literally yeah. market them. You were the vision for it. Yeah. And um you know, I wrote the liner notes for the albums that we recorded. We did a lot of stuff along those lines. Mm. And I realized I learned a lot of those soft skills without realizing it and not knowing what it was called. And so that's sort of how I stumbled into it. And I had also always been a strong writer. Gotcha. So when I left that church position and came back to New Jersey, I didn't really know what I was going to do. And then um, she just asked me because we'd known each other so long. Um she trusted me and she's like, can you just take over the marketing for the company? Like, let us know what your price is. And I was like, kind of shocked. It was just out of nowhere. Yeah. So of course I said yes. And I charged a lot of money or I asked for a big salary and she said, yes. Wow. And a long story short, uh, within two years, the company had about five or six X their bottom line revenue because mm -hmm. of the marketing. 
Uh, they opened a couple of new locations and they loved me. And I was like, peace out. See you later. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to do this in this setting forever. Right. So as soon as I took that job, I was blogging and podcasting on the side. Mm. Um, even before I launched out full time. And that's what garnered me the experience and the audience and a lot of the skills that I needed to develop and the mindset I needed to develop to be a business owner. Yeah. And uh, I went full-time in 2015. So it's been about seven years now. Yeah. Wow. That's fun. That's really fun. Okay. So do you play a lot of musical instruments then? I play guitar and piano. Okay. I do not, th I don't play them very much anymore. <laughs> uh, not in a public setting. Uh, sometimes friends find videos of me on YouTube doing that stuff. And they're like, wow, this another world, right? right? Like totally different. Um, which is funny because for the longest time, Val, like I thought that that was, it was hard for me to see myself as a business owner, a marketer, because mm. I hadn't just been doing that for four years as a profession, the music thing. Yeah. I had been doing it since I was like a teenager. Yeah. Like volunteering at my local church. And that was a big part of my identity. And I stepped away when I was in my mid thirties. So, yeah. and I'm in my mid forties now. So, I mean, that took up a lot more of my total life even yeah, today than, you know, yeah, marketing and business, but I'm really glad I made that tr transition. It's super fulfilling and, um, I wouldn't want to go through it again. <laughs> 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 I was young and dumb and energetic, you know? Yeah, and hungry. And, and now I'm just like, okay, no, it's, it's good. I figured out kind of where I want to be. Yeah. And uh, this is good. So yeah, that's sort of where things are at. Yeah, that's fun. That's fun. My, uh, my mom's a music teacher or was she's not retired. Um, still my whole life, even to this day, even though she's retired, she also teaches piano lessons out of her home. Mm -hmm. And so every afternoon I remember coming home from school and, you know, I'd have to be quiet and go upstairs, do my homework, do whatever in my bedroom. And then, you know, piano lessons would be done around dinner time. but mm -hmm. we grew up with music all over the place. And, you know, I did music at my church when I was in high school and got a, got a scholarship at college to play music there. And, you know, fun, fun fact, they, they, essentially paid me to learn how to play the clarinet because the music program was, was a little, uh, lacking at the time. So, you know, I just, I'm, I'm always curious whenever I hear people, you know, coming from that kind of background as well. Um, you know, you just never know. Sometimes you, you have these random musical skills that no one would ever have thought of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also like, I can look back now and see so many of the skills that I developed there, even the soft skills that were outside of performing right. have been so helpful in my business, how to rally people, how to cast vision, how to collaborate in a creative setting. Like that's all marketing, Yeah, right? A mix of um, cold, hard data and metrics and art and creativity that's marketing yep and so like i look back on it i'm like very grateful for those experiences um i wouldn't be where i am i'm not scared to talk to people i'm not scared to be on stage exactly that's a huge obstacle for a lot of people who are looking to do what you know we do right so um yeah so agree <laughs> it, agree 100 cool. percent. Cool. i mean i can yeah. visualize the like feelings of about to go into like a piano competition or do a piano recital and walking up to the stage and the nerves that I was feeling then mm -hmm. 
and how at a young age, just, you know, each, every few months having to do that, um, whether it was a competition or a, a recital, you know, just getting up on a stage and performing for someone. And now when people ask me, oh, are you nervous to go up and do public speaking? I really don't get very nervous. Right. Um, and I think, you know, that practice as a young kid doing that kind of musical performance compared to other activities you can do as a kid, I think was really helpful for me. So it's interesting that you have that parallel too. <laughs> yeah, it's not normal. It's not normal, you know, and then if you wait a little bit longer in life and you have folks like I, I coach a lot of folks who are trying to work their way out of corporate America mm -hmm. and like, you know, build a business on the side and everything is terrifying, you know, like, because they just haven't had that experience, like self-expression. If you're a musician, you're going to have to learn how to do that stuff. Yeah. I mean, be okay with it. Right. Um, the nerves. Uh, most people's biggest, I think the biggest fear, I don't know if this is still true, but they used to say like the the biggest fear people have by far is public speaking. Mm -hmm. And I've been going on stage since I was young. Yeah. Right. So there, there's a lot of advantages there and that's in that sense. So yes. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you are somebody that I know, it seems like every year, and I even was listening in on one of your webinars mm -hmm. recently, and you were talking about how you kind of have like, I think it was, you think about it in like trimesters, which I loved. I loved that concept because sometimes the thought of quarters feels a little like too much in a year. I love the trimester thing and it feels very natural with summer and then the school seasons and everything mm -hmm. like that. But um, mm -hmm. we're talking about like you aim to launch things on a regular basis based on those trimesters. Um, and you've launched a lot over the last few years. I'm curious, like, how have you... A, you know, evolved or innovated over the last few years, especially with the way that the world has been changing so much and so quickly um, with how you're launching things um, and what's what your approach has been with that. Yeah, I've always tried to do things in a way that feels aligned with who I am. And I know that's a very cliche mm -hmm. answer, um, but the more and more I've gotten to know myself, I use a lot of different personality type rubrics and a lot of this, these frameworks that are out there, I have no idea who came up with them. I don't know where they came from, but when I read them, they read me like a book, mm. you know, uh, Enneagram, human design, all, all these sorts of things. And what I've discovered is that uh, I am very much a body type. Mm. I operate through the intensity of my body, which I never would have realized. I always thought I was in my head too much. And that's apparently not the case. And <laughs> Um, when I learned those things and I would look back on past launches, I was like, oh my gosh, I was under so much stress. Like I could feel it like in my body and I'm an eight on the Enneagram. So apparently, um, <laughs> my personality type can take a lot of stress Yeah, and we don't realize it's a lot of stress, but our body does. And I was like getting massages all the time. I couldn't sleep. I was working out like to try to get the energy out or relax or in whatever way she yeah. perform. And then when I step into human design, like I'd realize, like that's not actually how my energy flows. I'm supposed to guard my peace and um, my tranquility, and then I will attract things to me. Mm. And when I saw that and I learned that, I was like, oh my gosh, that is so true. Every big opportunity that's come my way has found me. I've never gone out and chased it. Mm. I've never tried to make things happen. And so over the last two years. Sure, there have been seasons that were very intense. I wrote a book and then had to launch it. And I was like, I'm going to go all in on this. 
-hmm. That was really intense. And then I launched a coaching program after that. It was a six-figure launch. That was super intense. And then the the delivery of that was very intense. And I was like, wow, I am out of my, like, some people say it like this. If it's not a hell yeah, it's a no. Right. But that's even more so for me. And the way I tell is the way my body reacts to it. If I feel genuinely excited and I'm like, yes, let's go do this. Yeah. That should be a yes, even if it doesn't make sense intellectually. But if it makes sense intellectually, like this would be good for the money, this would be good for the exposure, but I don't feel it. Like I'm like, oh, I don't really want to do this. I should listen to that. Yeah. So um, I've just done launches that way. I don't like to overcomplicate things. I feel like, uh, you know, we we have this belief as business owners that if it's not complicated, I didn't earn it. Mm. I don't create landing pages for my webinars very often anymore. I just yeah. send them a Zoom link because after COVID, everyone knows what Zoom is. So right. why waste why waste two hours creating a landing page, right? When I could be doing something else yeah. um, or doing nothing, <laughs> which is what I always said I wanted my business to allow me to do, right? Yeah. Uh, interesting. Like, wow, what a novel thought. Um, so I think with the trends, though, like what I've, I, I've, what I've always tried to do is like keep the core tight. And what I mean by that is I have this personal trainer and he says to me at least five times every workout, Keep your core tight, suck your belly in. And it's like an unrelated exercise that we're doing. And he keeps yelling at me about my core. (laughs) And I realized that is really, he's yelling at me because the core is the core. It controls and brings everything together. Right. And in business, my email list, my podcast, those are, that's the core. Yeah. Those are the abs and the lower back, if you will, of my business. And if I just keep that tight, I can do anything. I can do any other kind of movement and yeah. I'll, I'll be all right. I won't hurt myself. I won't overextend myself. I see a lot of people chasing uh, new algorithms on social media. And like, I've just never really, really done that yeah. that much. Uh, and that's kind of how I've done it. So I like live launches. I like being with people. I like guiding them live. Um, it feels natural to me and I think people feel that energy and that's why they want to work with me. So that's kind of how I've always structured the business. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that, you know, that, that you're just leaning into what you know works and not getting overly distracted by, like you mentioned the algorithms. A lot of times people kind of think of those as like shiny objects or distractions yeah. And so many people can get hung up on them. I've had people obsess over nitpicky things with social media. And as someone who does a lot of social media content creation for clients, I, I kind of have to play with what's working, what's not, mm-hmm. so that I can answer those questions intelligently for clients and know which ones are worth chasing based on their right. their goals. Um, But I do see that the most successful people, like they really, their core their core values and the the essence of who their brand is, is going to come out regardless of whatever channel that they're putting themselves mm-hmm. out on. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the folks that focus on showing up as a real human tend to, tend to do the best. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, when people come to me and they're like, I don't like social media. So I want to talk to you to do it for me. It's like, well, you're never really going to be fully happy with, what you're seeing. Cause you don't understand it. You don't know how to interact with people. You don't get why people are going to want to engage with your stuff anyways. 
So um, I, I love that. And, and just as being somebody who, you know, engages or interacts with you on social media and, and follows your content, I, I can attest to the fact that, you know, you've mentioned before that you're kind of sporadic sometimes about when you, when you post, you don't necessarily have a strict schedule. Um, and, and I think sometimes that can really work to your benefit, uh, because it does yeah. show up more organically. So here's a dirty little secret. This is the first time I've ever said this publicly. Honestly, this is the first <laughs> time I've ever said this publicly. I don't keep Instagram or Facebook or I don't keep any social media apps on my phone. So when I post on Instagram, especially Instagram stories, yeah, it usually means I've recorded video throughout the day. Yep. I download the app, upload the stories and delete the app. Oh, okay. And I do that like you go through all that work each time. Yeah. But if I don't, I open Instagram. I, it, it, I'm like a crack addict. I can't <laughs> not open it. And, um, there, there was this, I forget what the name of the documentary was, but it came out on Netflix like several years ago. And was talking about like the addictiveness of social oh, media. The social dilemma. Yeah. I think that was yeah. it. And I was like, yes, this is a slot machine. This thing is built like a slot machine at a mm -hmm. casino. It is yeah. de designed to get you to keep going back and refreshing the, you know, the explore page or whatever. And, um, yeah, this is a weird analogy, but look, no, I mean, be, the, no, like, it makes gonna, perfect sense. You get yeah, the dopamine like, rush. Mm -hmm. And I figured this, even you know, if you're going to be a drug dealer, the best drug dealers never get high on their own supply. <laughs> no weird way of thinking about it, but that is literally how I think about it. Yeah. I'm like, dude, Pablo Escobar killed a lot of people. He's a very evil person, but he never, he never, he never, he never smoked his own dope. Yeah. You didn't do that. And so I look at social media in some ways like a drug. Now, I, it's not totally evil or bad. It's not, right. I'm not comparing it to cocaine, but it's as addictive as that. Yeah, there is a psychological and, piece to it. For yeah, sure. and I'm just going to like make sure that I don't fall down that rabbit hole. I'm going to add value when I'm on those channels, but I'm not going to let it take over my life. And there have been, there have been times where I've gone and not logged into Instagram for several days, and I will log on to it on my computer, and it's nowhere near addictive. Right. It is the it is the combination of the phone and the social media app. Right. That's so addictive, and I've never, honestly, I've never missed a life changing opportunity because I wasn't on Instagram. I've yeah. never, it's never happened to me. So that's different for a lot of other people's businesses that are predicated on social. I right. totally get that. I'm just saying that's my core. My core is email and podcasts. I know that. Yep. And so I guard that. I yeah. channel the energy towards that. So, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's interesting because I was talking with one of our mutual friends, Lauren, um, a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. and we were just talking about like the rules that you set. And I, in the conversation, I just realized there were multiple rules that I set as far as like how I'm setting boundaries with my business and content and different things like that, you know, there, there's a lot of times where clients will send me LinkedIn messages with information that they want going out on their profiles. And they know that they're supposed to email that, you know, like mm -hmm. I can't be monitoring 10 different social media, whatever inboxes that they just, you know, just cause one person prefers one over the other. Um, you know, other things like I just don't check any email personal or mm -hmm. business 
after 6 p.m. You know, mm -hmm. I've set rules for myself because I know if I open up that inbox, then I'm going to get into work mode and then boom, there yep. goes any downtime that I've even attempted to have, you know? So obviously the rules have changed a little bit for me in the last few years after having a kid, my schedule is different, but mm -hmm. now there's protected time, you know, around dinner time, bedtime. Yep. I'm not checking email. I'm not working on work stuff. I might work on it later in the evening when I normally used to check out, but you know, knowing yourself and knowing your tendencies, where you might slip up, you know, for you saying, mm -hmm. I'm going to delete this app completely off my phone. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty drastic. That's a lot of work to reinstall and log back in each time and all that fun stuff. So yeah. And it better be worth it. I better be like really, really documenting things or thinking through the value I want to bring to people if I'm going to do it. Right. And that's, that's what like, that's what my threshold is. Right. It's, it's sort of like, um, <clears throat> if I didn't really care that much about it, uh, then why waste all the time? Right. I can just log on on my computer and just answer all the DMS that I need to, and I'll be good from there. You know? Yeah. So it's, it's just, like we, we talk about how we want certain things like out of our business and, um, this freedom that we want, but we don't take the practical steps to do it. And then we wonder why we're so frazzled. Yeah. Um, and I love what you said about the email. Like I used to have, e I don't have email on my phone either. I don't have my work email on my phone. And, um, I've had too many nights where I've had my email on my phone. I've per chance or just out of complete blind habit, opened yep. an email, gotten an opened the email account, got a message and someone said, Oh, uh, I'd like a refund or I, I don't, I want to cancel my membership or I'm not going to renew in a mastermind. And it ruins the entire night. Right. And it, for some reason off hours, it just sticks with you even further. Yeah. It's wild just the yeah. way it works. So I just feel like if we just do a better job of guarding you know, our, our energy and all that jazz, like, yeah, it's good. You know, yeah. we'll, we'll figure it out. So yeah, that's kind of yeah. how I think about um, it. I love that. I, I wish I could completely take all those social profiles <laughs> off. If I did, I'd never figure out how to get back into half of them, but you yes. know, yes. I, I deal with yes. so many different passwords for people. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it is interesting. And it's funny too, when you go through days where you're just like, so in the zone with work stuff, like, mm -hmm. For example, when I record um, interviews like this, I turn my focus um, for do not disturb on mm -hmm. so that if texts come in, I don't get the notifications. I don't, and then initially I did it for sound. Mm. There's been multiple days where like, I'll just forget that it's off and yeah. I'll be working for hours after an interview. And then all of a sudden I look at my phone and I realize I've got all these text messages and, you know, missed phone calls and things. And, and then you, you look at it and you're like, well, I didn't really miss that much. Like none of this stuff is earth shattering that I needed to have this on all the time, you know, and it was so freeing to just sit there and crank away at something when normally you would get interrupted. So the world did not end right. like, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's sort of sometimes lets us down, I think in, in some way or another, but then you have to face the reality that like things will go on without you. It's mm -hmm. not the worst in the world. Like to, like, I find myself like I, I work four days a week, Monday through Thursday. And 
like I'll sleep in on Friday mm-hmm. and then I'll be like, Oh, let me just check my email real quick. I know I'm not supposed to work today. And then I, I see a message and it's like Friday, 2 PM. Yeah. And I've thought this a million times that person is going to finish work in two hours. I don't need to do this right now. Right. They're not even expecting a response at Friday on yep. Friday afternoon. Right. And it's just so crazy. Like we, we, we become the worst boss we've ever had. Yeah. That is absolutely true. When you are in this line of work, you easily become the worst boss you've ever had. And, um, it's got to start some, it's got to stop somewhere. Like you got to draw a line somewhere. Like I took a month off in June I'm taking another month off in December. And that's my thing for this year. And it fit my life. It, and you know, Val, when I was leading up to the, the June break, I was so stressed in May. I was like, yeah, I definitely need this vacation. I am frazzled. Right now, as I'm heading into this December, I don't even feel like I need a vacation. Mm. I'm like, maybe I should work in December because I feel really good. Yeah. But that's actually the point to yeah. not have to wait until you're dying. Right. You know, and and really take control of like your time, your energy. So yeah, yeah I mean... I'm a big believer in this and um, no one will ever change my mind about it because I've never seen a scenario in nearly eight years of business where mm-hmm. like <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've screwed myself over because I missed something, you right. know? So yeah. Yep. Yeah. The opportunities that you're meant to get will be mm-hmm. right there when you need them. So, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I also remember just from, you know, sitting in on some of your stuff recently, you've got some fun things in the works here for the next year. So when you do come back from this little hiatus in December, you got some fun things in the works. Um, tell me a little bit about the marketing school. What brought you to kind of creating that? Um, what's exciting you about that? Yeah. So, um, what I decided to do is take all seven years of programs and courses I've, I, that I've, um, created, um, and just stuff them into one thing. Mm. Cause I've never first, I, and I'm not saying this like in a, in a weird way, but I've probably done nearly everything that you can in this industry from a marketing perspective. You know, I've been a copywriter, I've run conferences, I've run workshops, I've done summits, I've done live launches. I've done every, like literally everything as a marketer, I've done it. And yet I only had one or two programs for two, one or two specific things over the years. And because I've done everything, I felt like I should resource people with everything because I've had experience in all of it. Um, But I've never had the opportunity to do that. And I couldn't in the last two years because I had a book coming out and I didn't want to confuse my audience. I didn't want to confuse the market. So uh, there's this principle I sort of live by, you know, I think this work-life balance thing is a little ridiculous. It's not real. Right. Um, what I'm after more is like harmony. Mm. And what I mean by that is that uh, you pay the appropriate amount of attention to the appropriate thing for the appropriate amount of time. It's just like an orchestra. You go see a, see a concert, the violins, appropriate thing, play a certain lead line in the piece and you as a musician get this, you know, um, appropriate amount of time. Yeah. Right. And they're not blaring the entire piece. It's just what needs to be focused on for that moment. So for the last two years, I've been focused on the book. I gave it the appropriate amount of attention. But even when I was launching the book, I knew I wanted to train people comprehensively in marketing and have something for them. 
Yeah. I was so tired of everyone running around in circles because there was some expert out there that only taught one thing and that was better for their bottom line, but it wasn't better for the end user or the client. So I've dumped everything into this program. People get everything I've created, but there's a big live coaching aspect in it. I mean, we do two calls a month. Yeah. Um, let's be honest. That's what most people come for. They don't sit there and go through the content and implement. That's probably less than 5% yeah. of the population. They can actually do that for themselves. The rest need um, that group dynamic and that, that, that movement together. So that's where it all stems from. And yes. I've, feel like I'm adding really good value uh, to the market. It feels aligned with me. And I also don't want to launch 17 different things in a year. I just want to launch this one thing and make it comprehensive for people and simplify my business model. And that's just kind of where I'm at. So um, yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun. We'll do a formal launch like probably early 2023, yeah. but we're testing it out right now and it's gone really well. So that's yeah, awesome. that's yeah. where we're at. Nice. Well, I love that. I, I know just the content I've consumed from you over the years has always been really high quality. So I can only imagine that what people are going to get in this oh, is going to be really great as well. So um, so if you were to give somebody advice today about how they could go off and get their next win in marketing, whether it's big or small, you know, a micro win or one major huge thing, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever. What advice would you give someone who's listening today about going after your next marketing win? Um, I would say that the key to like really, really nailing down your marketing is all in copywriting. You know, that's, that's what I like, even that business that I mentioned where I was um, working as I took over the marketing for the Academy. Yeah. All I really did was upgrade the copy. Mm. We didn't even design a new website and the business just exploded. Um People overlook copywriting because they say, well, I'm not a writer or there's social media. We don't really need writing, right. but you got to write the captions. You got to write the headline of the video. Mm -hmm. You got to, you know, if you're on YouTube, you got to write the headline. YouTube, YouTube video, you, YouTubers are, they understand copywriting. I, most people don't realize that a lot of them have, are writing their own script and then recording the video. That's what makes it so good. So here, everyone else thinks that you just need good video and good production, but those creators sat down and wrote a script, headlined it. They're, they're functioning as a copywriter. It's super, super important. Um, that's the first thing. And that's where, um, I would start. Yeah. And then as you kind of move into it, like I, I said this before, but like, we often think that if it's not complicated, we didn't earn it. <laughs> it's not comp. It doesn't have to be super complex. Email your list regularly. Do things that grow your email list. Um, yeah. More. I very seldom met businesses where their social media was more important than their email list. Yeah. You know, and um, build, understand what the core is of your particular business. For me, it, I, I've said it, you know, a few times it's email and podcast. And, and that's what I do. I, that's why I go on podcasts, yeah. but I don't go on Instagram lives. I don't, you know, do all these, other, I don't try to chase speaking engagements and, you know, go out of the house and live on the road. That's just not what I want. Right. I know the core. Um, and if that is what you want, then understand that and then stop doing all these other things, mm -hmm. you know? So that's kind of really where, where 
where I focus and how I kind of like make those decisions. Yeah, that's great. Do you have any tips for somebody if they want to, or resources or books or whatever, of if somebody wanted to improve their copywriting, how would you, yeah. what, what advice would you give someone? Cause that is something that a lot of people feel intimidated by, you mm-hmm. know, they might feel like they might be a great writer and they just are nervous about it, or maybe they really just struggled with it legitimately. Yeah. Um, this is going to sound crazy. Uh, but the thing that helped me improve, um, copywriting the most, I've never taken like a full fledged copywriting course or been mentored by anybody in copywriting. I think a lot of people assume that, but that's not what happened with me. Um, I took a little $300 course on copywriting from a company called AWAI. I think it stands for American Writers and Artists, Inc. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know. I've never met a mar- an artist there. All they do is teach copywriting. Okay. And they had um, they had a, a tiny little course. And I, I signed up for that because I didn't want to spend $2,000 if I didn't know I would do it. Right. And that's another thing. I don't understand why people spend the equivalent of like a semester in college on courses and they've never proven to themselves that they can actually like implement anything. Right. It's really dumb. You know, in all honesty, it's really, it's really dumb. And that's why the industry that we're in is like, it is fueled by people who do not take action. Right. If people took action, we'd all be broke. We'd sell one thing (laughs) and people would have growing businesses, you know? Right. Um, But what they had me do in that course, and this was all self-taught. I didn't even go on any coaching calls. They said, take these sales letters. They were like classic sales letters, hand write, hand copy them three times each in a notebook and then stand up and read them out loud three times each. And wow. I, I have my notebook somewhere in my, in my, at my place where I have that, like, and Val, I tell you that, that improved my copywriting so much. I can't even quantify it. Like I got into the mind of the writer. Why did he write this a certain way? Why did he use these words? Why did he use that term? Why did he use this hook here? And it got imprinted in me and people make fun of that. People make, they think like, you know, you got to take some super crazy course. Yeah. Some books are good. Right. Um, There are a lot of good books on it actually, but taking that action, you can't learn how to swim by reading a book. And it's the same with copywriting. You can't learn how to write better copy by just reading these books. You have to get it in you. Yeah. What do you do when you learn to swim? You kind of follow what the instructor is telling you, right? And that's that's what I liken it to. Wow. In that situation scenario. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that's so fascinating because, like, as you were saying that, I'm picturing me in calculus class back in the day, high school, college where I would literally to study for tests would rewrite and go through the entire math problem from start to finish. And that was the only way that I could imprint what mm-hmm. the next steps were. And I probably rewrote those problems. Like you're <laughs> saying two or three times, Yeah, you yeah. know? And for me, I learned, I mean, I've got it sitting next to me at all times. I have the handwritten to do's as much as I use digital tools for project management, I still have to use a written to-do list. There's something, Mm. at least for me and how I learn in like writing it down. So I can totally see 
if you're trying to change the way your mind thinks, especially when it comes to copywriting, the power of slowing down enough yep. to write it, not type it, but write it, mm -hmm. that would allow your brain enough time to process what's going on with the words that you're writing. So yeah. thank you so much for sharing that. That's really um, interesting. Yeah. It's so true. Um, and most people are not going to do it. Yeah. I did not spend 10 grand on a bunch of swipe files and, you know, videos that I know I'm never going to watch. Right. It was 300 bucks. They had like 10 sales letters in there and I just hand copied them. It took me hours, not yeah. all in one shot over the course of several weeks and yeah. months. Um, I will still do that once in a while when I yeah. read a, a good sales letter, cause I want to keep sharp. Um, I love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. I might, I might get back into <laughs> rewriting my calculus notes. Now. Calculus problems. <laughs> you, you're good without calculus now. Right? Forget about calculus. Moved on. We moved on. We, we got that, oh, those yeah. professionals do it, you know? Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. You look back at the stuff that you learned and you're like, oh, well, mm -hmm. I learned some great skills in the process of learning that information, but the actual calculus, uh, I'll pass on that. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, Mike, if people want to get more from you, obviously you're not going to reply immediately to DMs on Instagram and all the things, but <laughs> where is the best place for people to go seek you out if they want to learn more from you online? Yeah. Instagram and LinkedIn are probably the, the channels that I'm the most active on. Um, but I would say if you like podcasts, cause you're listening to us here on this podcast, go over to mine, give mine a few episodes, you know, give it a shot for a few episodes. It's called you are the brand. It's all about building a personal brand, marketing yourself, sharing your stories um, in a non-sleazy way, right? To get your ideas and expertise out into the world. And um, yeah, it's it's a fun show. You know, you, there's a, definitely a personal side of me that people will see, um, but I bring experts like you in and others um, to come in and really share practical tips on how to do this whole marketing thing in a way that feels you know, and it and is authentic and aligned with who you are. So yeah, give it a shot. Awesome. Well, thanks. And thanks so much for coming on and sharing, you know, stuff that you've never shared before with the world, yeah. <laughs> uh, as well as stuff I'm sure you've probably said millions of times, but I uh, appreciate the insights you share day in and day out and uh, just your willingness to be open with people about how you approach marketing and uh, the, the human side that you bring to it. Cool. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Val. If you liked what you just heard, please hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our future episodes. And while you're at it, go ahead and leave us a review. That not only helps us out, but it helps others discover great interviews just like this one.